focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Alright. Welcome. This is our week three review, week four preview podcast. This is Processing College Football, the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. I am Jason Randazza, your resident novice, and we also have Mark Catlin, our college football expert emeritus. emeritus. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. I was really happy to get the title Emeritus. Sure, it's an honorary yeah. title. Thank it you. It comes with no added benefits. <laughs> so every week we process the highlights of the college football world, and I make Mark explain basically everything I don't understand, which is a lot. So this week I want to start off the show. I want to have Mark define a term, RPO. So Mark, I know that this stands for run pass option. I also know that Many coaches seem to have some opinions about this. Uh, Saban has thoughts, mostly negative. And then it came up recently again because Northwestern's coach, Pat Fitzgerald, called it the purest form of communism. So if you could explain RPO, if you could also explain communism, (laughs) try to the top. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, the communism statement's a little confusing, but I'll let you handle that. Um, Sure. Um, so, I mean, the, the run pass option essentially is exactly what it sounds like. If I were to summarize it, an RPO is you can run or pass the ball, and you're not sure which is going to happen until the play is actually happening. And the reason that defensive coaches have a problem with it is it's hard to defend because you're not sure what's going to happen until it actually happens. And some of your reads are thrown off, and some of the things that your defensive players and you are looking for in a run or a pass may not be there in its purest form, to use Pat Fitzgerald's mm-hmm. uh, comment. But um, so yeah, I, but for me, Jason, honestly, I don't really have a problem with it. The the offensive lineman can go three yards downfield on a pass play, so they have that wiggle room, and so offensive coaches should take advantage of that. Offensive linemen should take advantage of that, and use it to their advantage. Uh, and defenses are going to have to adjust. Now, one of the big differences is, and it's one of the things I've heard between the college level and the NFL level, is college football linemen can go three yards downfield. Uh, on a pass play. In the NFL, they can only go one yard downfield. And so it's a little bit easier to say, okay, how far are linemen downfield and what is the play going to be? Is it going to be a pass or a run? Um, But still, in the NFL, uh, the run-pass option is still something that happens. So it's not completely cleaned up. It's not completely Mm -hmm. solved by limiting that. I think it's more about enforcing that rule uh, so that you know – that if a lineman is too far downfield, it's either going to be a run or it could also be a screenplay if the ball's thrown behind the line of scrimmage. But either way, you don't have to cover people downfield. So I think that's kind of that's what a run pass option is. That's why it's a controversial thing right now. In my opinion, defensive coaches are just going to have to adjust and figure it out. Um, and the players are going to have to play a little bit smarter. As, as I was saying, I think to you earlier, I, I feel like the people I have heard complaining about it most notably have been the coaches who were traditionally defensive coaches. So it, it maybe to, to them in, in their minds, it just seems like uh, a bastardization of their, their, their art form. 
But I don't know. I, it almost seems capitalistic to me, you know, to counter Pat Fitzgerald's point, where the the better team, the team who's able to utilize this this trick more effectively, wins, uh, as they found out against Akron over the weekend. Zing. <laughs> Eat it, Pat. Yeah, um, I think the more pure form of communism would be forcing everybody to a different rule because you can't handle it. Or something like that. Yeah, just, I mean, there's there's freedom within this market of football to call yeah. the plays within the rules. So do it, uh, and you got to adjust and all that sort of stuff. So I mean, I, I I think coach offensive coaches just said, hey, here's a way that we might be able to exploit something that we know defensive coaches are telling their players. Um, mm-hmm. And so because they've made that one of their reads based on the rules, so we got a little wiggle room there. So let's take advantage of it, and they have. Now, again, prior to a few years ago, uh, the rule was not enforced because it didn't happen that often. But now uh, I think you'll see it enforced more strictly, and you'll see Mm -hmm. run-pass option. When those are called, you'll see linemen being a little bit more um, diligent in how far they go down, a little bit more strict, a little bit more observant of how far they are uh, downfield. So, All right. So that is run pass option. That's our term for the week. If you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, go ahead and send them in. You can reach us on Twitter at ProcessingCFB or email us ProcessingCollegeFootball at gmail.com. So, Mark, why don't we review some week three matchups? Let's do it. All right, so the first game on our list was number 17, Boise State, going against number 24, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State, right at kickoff, was about a field goal favorite. They ended up winning this one 44-21. You and I both picked Boise State. I believe I picked them outright, Mm -hmm. and it was not even close. I think I kind of held out hope that maybe Boise State was going to be that non-Power 5 team that would make the committee kind of question whether or not they had a place in in the playoffs, but it looks like that's not them. So we're going to have to hang our hopes on UCF again, I reckon. Yeah, this was, I mean, this is surprising in, in, in many ways. Uh, Boise State uh, is a really good football team, and Oklahoma State handled them uh, mm-hmm. really well. I mean, if you remember, Boise handled Troy, uh, and <laughs> Troy came out this week and, and beat up on Nebraska. So Troy is not a, a bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, maybe Nebraska is, but Troy is not a terrible team, but Boise State made them look silly. And so for Oklahoma State to be able to handle Boise the way that they did, with Boise knowing that this is their opportunity to show that they belong with the big boys and should make the playoff because they'll likely go on a feed of the rest of the season, that was pretty surprising. Um, and so uh, that's a, I think that's a really good win for Oklahoma State. Uh, congratulations, Oklahoma State. Let's talk number 12, LSU at number 7, Auburn. Auburn was expected to win this by about 10. Final score, 22-21 to 21 LSU. So LSU opens this game with a pick, which results in a drive for a touchdown, just to start things. Then LSU dominated through the first quarter in all aspects of the game, uh, doubling Auburn on total yards, preventing Auburn from getting a single first down. But then by halftime, it, it seemed like the natural order of things had begun to set in. Uh, difference in total yards was only about 10 or so, um, and Auburn was up 14-10. And so you thought, okay, LSU's a decent team, Auburn's a better team, uh, and they're just going to continue to pull ahead. But LSU wasn't actually losing steam. They re- retooled, they pushed back, uh, and then they were trailing 
with just seconds to go, 21 to 19, and LSU kicks a 42-yard field goal to bring the final score to 22-21. This was really sad for Auburn fans, and I know a lot of people, especially after the fact, kind of blaming some of the, I guess, what they viewed as as bad calls against Auburn, in particular a pass interference call that happened late in the game. Um, Gus Malzahn, to his credit, basically said that they can't put themselves in situations where uh, they're mistaken for uh, interfering in that regard. But uh, LSU won this, and they, they notch a, a second win in a row over Auburn. Yeah, I mean, I, I was surprised... Uh, maybe not too surprised by the way the game started, but like you said, they go up 14-10. Then Auburn went right. up 21-10. And uh, given how last year's game went when they were up by 20 and then LSU came back and won at LSU, uh, I really thought they would just put the the pedal to the floor and then run away with it. That The, the game went exactly, <laughs> almost exactly as I was anticipating until... Auburn decided to not score anymore, and LSU came back and won the game. And I was just shocked. I mean, I was, I had, I had actually walked away from the game to uh, begin to prepare the meat and grill for the Alabama game, and I came back and I said, "Whoa, wait, did LSU win that game?" Because uh, I was just so surprised. I thought Auburn had it uh, well in hand, and so that's pretty surprising. And LSU gets another huge win. I mean, uh, maybe Miami doesn't end up being the team that everybody thought they were. But technically speaking, that's two top ten wins for LSU at the time mm-hmm. that they played the team. Uh, Miami was number eight. Auburn uh, was number seven. And so, I mean, <laughs> first two out of three games, LSU has beaten top ten teams. And so, I, I mean, LSU looks better than I thought, and, and Auburn's got a way to go. Uh, you know, they're not they're not out of it by any means, but that's a tough loss at home, and they better they better pick it up. I think, especially on offense, mm-hmm. uh, if, if if they're gonna t- make a run at this thing. So I want to just talk uh, a little bit about, I don't know, storyline here. So did you hear about this? Gus Malzahn donating $2 million to a football facility, he and his wife, at Auburn? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that was like a little job security for him? He's like, hey, if you guys want this $2 million, maybe if I tank the rest of the season, you'll still keep me around. <laughs> he probably thought he was going to lose this game, and he, he was right. Um could have been. Yeah. You never know what's going on behind the scenes with old Gus. But I mean, I, I mean, I, they can't get rid of him. They just, they just got him a new contract, and he's making a ton of money, making seven mil a year. Um, and so, it, I mean, if they lose him, they got to pay that. So hopefully, Gus is just reinvesting in the, in the program that he's trying to build, so that he can have a better product team and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, this is a, this has got to be a tough one to swallow for Auburn fans out there. Uh, two in a row. To Ed O, the greatest coach of the all time. The greatest coach of all time. <laughs> all right. Speak, speaking of that other great say. coaches who are actually terrible, Ohio State, number four, <laughs> going against TCU, number 15. Ohio State, 12.5 point favorites here. Ohio State ends up winning this one, but only by 12 points. So they didn't beat the spread here. It was 40 to 28. And it really looked like they had the potential to drop this one. So again, reminding our listeners, this is the last of the three games that Urban Meyer was not on the sidelines for. Um, He coached in practice this past week, uh, but he was not there during the actual game. So at halftime, TCU was actually up on Ohio State 14 to 13, 
But after the half, maybe about halfway through through the third quarter, Ohio State just kept notching up touchdowns on uh, the poor Horn Frogs, uh, and they won this one. I don't have a whole lot to say about this. Suffice it to say, anytime Ohio State wins, it's just a disappointment to me. Yeah, this was. I mean, this was a very exciting game. Uh, it was a fun game to watch, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought Ohio State would pull it out. I still think. I mean, they showed signs of struggle, but they also proved that they can win in a lot of different ways. They can score in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. special teams, defense, offense. So they have a ton of weapons. Uh, I, I, they're still in my top four. Uh, and this is a good win. TCU is a good football team, so uh, it's a good win. But like you said, I, I don't, I don't like to see it. I don't want to see Ohio State be good, but uh, here they are. Here they are, and. Now let's talk a little bit about number one Alabama playing at Ole Miss in the Grove. Alabama three touchdown favorites. Final score here was six sixty-two to seven. Ole Miss scored on the first play, and you really thought it, it'd be a game. Their quarterback Jordan Taamu threw a pass downfield, and they ran it in for a touchdown. It was pretty impressive. I actually missed it. Uh, because I thought, hey, I can miss the first 14 seconds of this game and nothing's going to happen, but I was wrong. So, uh, again, like I said, you thought it'd be a game, but Alabama was up by 21 at the end of the first quarter and did not let up on the gas at all. Um, For Alabama's offense, they had uh, five players rush for over 30 yards apiece, uh, and of the 19 completions in the game, no player got more than four receptions. So they're really spreading the ball out which I guess if you're not an Alabama fan frightens you, but if you are, you're really excited to see uh, because they have some depth. What do you think about this game? Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, the first first play from scrimmage being a touchdown again against Ole Miss mm-hmm. was like, wow, this is, this is going to get wild. This is going to be great. It's going to be a shootout. It's going to be exciting. <laughs> and, and then apparently they made some adjustments, and at halftime, Nick Saban was talking to Holly Rowe, and Holly Rowe said, so, you know, Coach, you – uh, they scored on the first play. What did you do to stop? I was like, well, you know, it made some adjustments. He said, what kind of adjustments? And Nick Saban said, we moved another guy over there. <laughs> I was like, all right, there it is. Brilliant defensive brilliant, mind. Brilliant defensive mind. Um, and I was like, hey, man, I guess that's what they did. They just put another guy over there so we wouldn't blow past one guy. It's a wonder um, he didn't think of that ahead of time. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> they can go in that part of the field. Let's put a guy over there. So, yeah, I think those those – Brilliant defensive adjustments apparently really paid made the off. game. If, if if only every other team just knew, you just had to put another guy. Play good over defense. There. Put another uh, guy over play there. Good, yeah, RPO is not a problem. Play good defense. But yeah, so I mean, after that, watching uh, our defense. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with defense first. I still think uh, our linebackers and secondary. Maybe our linebackers, interestingly, might be the weakest part of our defense. Oh, you think so? Um, yeah, our, Mac Wilson just looked lost at times, mm-hmm. um, and if uh, our linebackers' names weren't called a lot, our defensive line and our defensive backs, our secondary, which we defined last week mm-hmm. or the week before, they played out of their minds. Our defensive line really did a great job, continually impressed with them. Quentin Williams, a uh, new player this year, a new starter this year. Uh, I think a couple of years ago, Jonathan Allen said, you need to watch out for that guy because he's going to be great. And here he is, he, player of the week for Alabama mm-hmm. again, uh, two weeks in a row. Deontay Thompson at safety. Uh, I mean, during the during the game, I was texting somebody and said he looks like Eddie Jackson 
uh, previous safety who just he would just get interceptions. He just had a nose for the ball. I don't think Deontay Thompson can quite return it as well as Eddie. When Eddie got the ball and interception, it was basically going to the house. Uh, he was a punt returner uh, his senior season before he, he broke his leg. But um, Deontay Thompson looks like Xavier McKinney uh, or other safety replacing. So Deontay kind of was replacing a Minka type and then mm-hmm. Xavier McKinney replacing Ronnie Harrison. He, got a, he had a pick six. And Trevon Diggs at corner made a couple of great knockdowns in the passing game. So those guys, uh, the defensive line and the secondary look great. The linebackers I just wasn't I wasn't impressed with, maybe other than Christian Miller. Uh, he had two and a half sacks um, as an outside linebacker. But uh, Mac Wilson, I'm hoping he grows up a little bit. It looks like things are a little too fast for him right now. Mm-hmm. He's a great athlete, great um, football player, physically speaking. Mentally being the play call on the defense, he looks a little slow. On the offensive side of the ball, uh, we didn't really – I think I forgot to mention this. The, the thing that continues to jump out at me is two is great. That's mm-hmm. fine. But our wide receivers are unbelievable. Yeah. The group of wide receivers that we have is amazing. And in my opinion, Jerry Judy is – I mean, he, he. there were a couple of routes that he ran, a couple of moves that he made on guys. I was just like, that is just amazing. There was one where he caught it deep down the sideline, and he – tried to juke this guy, and he stopped. The guy goes flying past him. And then when he cut back, he barely stepped out of bounds. And if he hadn't, and he had scored a touchdown, it I mean, it was everything that he was doing was just beautiful. It's quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got speed, uh, great hands. But, I mean, also, you got Henry Ruggs III. You got Devontae. I mean, there's guys all over the place. And then getting the tight ends involved. And, of course, the running game is going to be fine with Damian Harris, sure. Najee Harris, and Josh Jake. I mean, so – our team is is rather complete. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, I think if the middle linebacker position, if we get that solid and Mac Wilson doesn't seem as lost and can really kind of slow things down, things slow down for him, then it's going to be really really hard to see anybody beat Alabama. Do you think that maybe the the trouble the linebackers are having is that they're not getting enough playing time? <laughs> I mean, the offense out I mean, there scoring 62 points. When does the defense have a chance to do anything? I mean, it's well, it's a, it's an interesting question. Not only that, but for both offense and defense, you know, what happens when we need our starters to be there halfway through the third quarter and they're asleep? You know, like, and they're they're not used to yeah. it. I think physically they'll be fine. I, I don't think there's going to be wrong with their conditioning, but mentally speaking, mm-hmm. even you know, I think the game is say it'll be interesting if we have to be there and. Uh, halfway through the third quarter, into the fourth quarter, as the game games on the line, that's going to be a, a, an unfamiliar feeling for most of the guys who are out there. And so, how does the defense play? How does the secondary play when it's not just okay, you beat me for a touchdown, but it doesn't really matter because we're about to score sixty-two more points? But wow, that that could lose us the game, you know. And that pressure hits uh, in those moments where um, things really start to matter. How do they respond? I think is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, the the buzzword: How do they respond to adversity? But, man, Bama looks good. Uh, they looked great. We haven't played great competition, and so it's maybe not a huge deal. But sure. like, we're doing what we're supposed to do against weaker competition, and and that's good. That's what great teams do. Yeah. Did you hear what the coach was telling the, – uh, the coach of Ole Miss was telling his players after the game? Uh, Sorry, he lost play. <laughs> no, he, he was telling them that, that they needed to play all 60 minutes, not just the first 16 seconds. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but actually, Mark, did you? Did... That would be amazing. I think I think it was only 11 seconds. I don't know, but yeah, come on, guys, 
That's, really That's amazing. Funny. If he had said that, it would have been incredible. It would have been really funny. Um, did you hear the new Ole Miss fight song that they have to match the, their new shark mascot? No, I mean, I heard about the shark mascot. I didn't realize that the, did they write this song? Uh, I don't know. It... Like, I, I recorded it off the television, but here, let me just play it for okay. you now. Great. Get on here. Do, do you know? Do you know? I paid ninety nine cents for that joke. I had to. Do, I had to pay for that. I dude, that's that's pretty. If you can get more jokes like that for ninety nine cents, I would do it. Man. It was worth it's it. You know, anything to. Uh, I don't know. Just dunk on Ole Miss. That's fine. All right. Uh, next, uh, Tulane was playing at UAB at Legion Field. Game ended at thirty one to twenty four. UAB won. This was a great win at home uh, to keep the win streak alive. So basically, since the program returned, UAB is now 8-0, and tied for our longest record uh, at home. Um, Spencer Brown, running back, had another 100-plus yard game. Evidently, I heard this while I was watching the game. Uh, anytime he gets 100 or more yards in a game, he gives cookies to his offensive line. Um so I, I, wow. I didn't hear what kind, but uh, I, I appreciated that. I, mean, I hope they're like homemade or special in some way. Like here's a here's a bag of Oreos. Or something. <laughs> I, I like Oreos. I wouldn't be too upset. Oreo, that. Oreos are good. I'm just saying. He ran 400 yards. That's right. Make dude. some cookies, Spencer. Come on, dude. All right. Uh, so did you watch this on Facebook? I did watch it on Facebook. So it was a little weird because basically I was searching I mean, I for guess it is, yeah. UAB football on Facebook, and there were a lot of I guess fake streams that were trying to get me to click for, I don't know, ad money or something, which is weird because somebody must've created that page. I guess they anticipated just the complete swarm of people who were trying to watch UAB play (laughs) Tulane on Facebook. Yeah. But I did watch it. Uh, and it was not a terrible experience. Uh, You know, I had to watch on my computer. I didn't broadcast through the television or anything. It was the endorsement of a lifetime. It wasn't a terrible experience. <laughs> I, I have to have a Facebook account for it, which is, uh, I guess, the worst part. But it is what it is. All right. Then we had number 22 ranked USC at Texas. Texas being a field goal favorite. So Texas won this game 37-14. to 14. So USC mm-hmm. loses this one to Texas. A team who lost to Maryland... Maryland, a team who just lost to Temple, and Temple, a team that lost to Villanova, a school I didn't even know had a football team. So I don't even really know what to make of this. USC had uh, negative five rushing yards total the whole game. Uh, So I guess what I'm left to think is that basically as much as much as we hassled Sam Darnold last year, he was really the only thing holding this together. And now he's he's really comfortable at the Jets because he's probably doing the same thing there. I, I include Well, he is he is doing the same with, thing with the Jets. He throws two picks a game. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> but <laughs> he can win awesome. sometimes. He won the first week. So yeah, he sort of won. He didn't lose he it. He didn't lose but, it, yeah. I mean, he, had, he had some guys return punts, I think, for touchdowns, oh. pick sixes. <laughs> but is he going to do what he did at USC? He's going to throw for some yards, and then he's going to throw a couple picks or lose a fumble or something like that. Uh-huh. It's It was pretty amazing. I told a guy, I was like, look, he's going to throw two picks a game. And so far, I think he has. It's great. So again, I, I included this game in the preview basically because of the the epic 
2006 Rose Bowl between these two teams. So I included it in the preview, hoping that it would be an exciting matchup. And I'm including it here in our review as a reminder that we are all mortal and that nothing gold can stay. Um, I know we have a lot of Alabama fans who listen. Take note. So check this out. Yeah, I mean, this this whole thing was pretty sad. But Sam Darnold's first throw as an NFL quarterback, uh-huh. do you know what it happened? Was, it was a pick. It was a pick six. It was six. a pick six. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a pick I six. I was, I was it, like, dude, this is Sam Playing Donald. to form. Absolutely. Um, it was unbelievable. But, I mean, yeah, this game was pretty sad. And, I mean, by, by the way, I mean, Villanova was a good team. They won a national championship in 2009 as an FCS school. Um, and so that's that's pretty sad. But, yeah, I mean, negative five rushing yards is terrible. USC and Texas have really fallen. I think the other thing that this game kind of tells you is we're still figuring out what college football is this year in terms of who's good and who's not. Mm-hmm. So did Texas just have a bad week? Are they actually pretty good? Is USC actually terrible? Uh, it's a little hard to figure yeah. out. However, the next game – on our list, I think we've figured out who at least one of these teams are. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about this. We didn't preview this game because, uh, quite frankly, I thought the the winner was obvious. I, I still did. It was FSU playing against Syracuse. The final score was 30-7 to seven Syracuse. So uh, FSU, I, I guess I, I just haven't wrapped my head around the fact that they can be a terrible team. I thought... I don't know, 2017 was going to be some sort of an anomaly, uh, but they were awful. They they converted one third down out of 14. They converted once. So uh, here, here's the question I have. Uh, not, not to beat a dead horse, uh, except that that's exactly what we do in this program. But if Syracuse can't be counted on for a win this year for FSU, how the heck do they get to six to extend that bull streak? So for those who don't know, they have, or at least they consider themselves to have the longest running streak of uh, bowl appearances since 1978 or something, some like 40 some odd years. So, I mean, here, here's who they play this year. This, this weekend they play Northern Illinois. Then they play Louisville, Miami, Wake Forest, Clemson, NC state, Notre Dame, Boston college, and Florida. I mean, maybe they went against Northern Illinois, but they barely went against Samford. Yeah, I I think the only games that, unless they just all of a sudden figure something out and they come out and they're a completely different football team, mm-hmm. I think the only games they have a chance at winning are Northern Illinois, Louisville, Miami, Wake Forest. After that, Clemson, NC State, mm-hmm. Notre Dame, BC looks You're, great. Florida? BC does look good this year. Florida. I, 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 I don't know. I, just based on how, but based on how Florida State's played, I, I don't know. So Florida lost Kentucky. Kentucky may not be that bad, but I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they could beat Florida, but mm-hmm. it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. And I mean, Northern Illinois. I mean, I actually don't know how they are this year, but they're not terrible. Most years yeah. they're a, a, a decent team. Miami. Yeah. Miami's got talent. They can play. Louisville's got talent as well. But, I mean, if they play like they did, I mean, again, like we're talking about, this was Syracuse. Syracuse. <laughs> right. Right? This isn't, yeah. They didn't lose 30-7 to 7 to Clemson or something like that. This was Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you play like that, I don't know that you beat any of those teams. But I think you have a chance maybe against four or five. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think there's definite losses to most of those teams. So 
I don't know. It'll it'll be really interesting. It'd be really sad for the Willie Taggart era to start in such a way that they uh, end up breaking. I think it's a forty-one year streak or something like that of winning season. So yeah, that's, that's tough. Willie Taggart came out and basically asked for patience, which I I think is sad. You know, he's he's only three games into the season. You would hope that he could be I don't know three years into his tenure there or something before he'd have to make that speech. Um, but uh, there well, it is. It was, it, there's no patience with almost losing to Sanford at home. It yeah. Just, yeah. Patience runs out in the second quarter when you're still losing. Yeah. All right. Then another game we did not preview, but I just want to mention Troy beat Nebraska, as you mentioned earlier. Final score was 24 to 19. And I think what we've learned here is you can't sleep on Troy. Uh, you really this can't. is the second time that Troy has uh, defeated a power five team last year uh they beat lsu uh so this is a bad look for scott frost trying to start something in nebraska he's now zero and two on the season then we have arizona state losing to uh san diego state i i guess this is the mighty have fallen oh yeah the uh, yeah fire herm edwards for sure <laughs> fire but, herm edwards. but uh no the troy game i mean it's interesting if if Nebraska season is going to go like LSU's did last year, now Nebraska should basically win all their games. Um, oh, yeah. LSU, sudden, LSU suddenly turned it around after they lost to Troy. It, I think one of the sadder things I've seen is Scott Frost at the press conference. Did you see what he said? I mean, he said a lot of things probably. But one of the things he said, you know, I just told the guys in the locker room, if, you know, if you're, if you're not on for this ride, then, you know, you can – get out or something and i was like well, mm-hmm. that's, again you're you're not even three games your first game was canceled you're two games into your tenure as a head coach and you're like you guys can leave if you want so that's, how bad does that have to get two games man wow i yeah so yeah uh, fire scott frost, fire scott frost. <laughs> All right, uh, now is the time in our segment or our, our program when we overreact. Mm-hmm. All right, so based on uh, three games that we have so far in this season, let's let's pick, pick college football's biggest posers. So posers, of course, is a term that is best defined by whoever the heck Avril Levine was singing about in the song Complicated. Um, so basically, which team are the biggest posers? Teams that the hype train has gone off the rails on. So in looking at the preseason top 25, I, I think uh, my picks here, and you can tell me if you disagree at all, Wisconsin. Wisconsin drops one this last weekend to BYU, who they were – yeah. 23 and a half point favorites. Uh, and Wisconsin was preseason number four. Um, so uh, I'm sorry, Badgers, but uh, get the heck out of here. Then we have USC, who, you know, was being held together by Bubblegum and Sam Darnold and his slippery fingers. Um, they're currently one and two, <laughs> losing to Texas. Um, Sam and Darnold sadly, and slippery fingers. Yeah. And then, and then sadly, I I know the horse is dead, but again, I'm coming back to Florida State. Let's beat it, yeah. <laughs> notching a notching a win against Sanford. I don't know if you have any other opinions. May this isn't even overreaction. This is just a frank assessment of the facts. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't think Wisconsin's quite dead yet. Um, or uh, they're not the biggest poser, I don't think. Uh, one, I mean, their losses out of conference, they can come back. I think Jonathan uh, Taylor, their running back, is, is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing fine. I think they get better as a team. They can still win the Big Ten. Uh, I mean, statistically speaking. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I did have them in my... For playoff teams, that, I mean, so I, I, that would be good for me. I think, th- I think that's a good pick, but uh, or it was a good pick. Um, <laughs> it looks like Ohio State might run away with it, but yeah. we'll see. I mean, uh, Washington, whatever. Um, they're okay. Miami, yeah. I, I mean, USC, they're they were definitely posers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you just you can't run for minus five yards and not be a poser. And Florida State, yeah, just they're just they're terrible. That that was the rule in high school. It's like if you run for minus five yards, you you sit at that lunch table, you poser. <laughs> in high school, yeah, we had we had a special lunch table just for that. Oh, dude, you ran for minus five yards. That's terrible. Get out of here. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, I mean. We shall see. And then, I mean, on the other hand, you got LSU moving the other direction. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. There, the, LSU is like the girl who takes off her glasses and is the prom queen, I think. Wow. All it took was taking off those glasses. Yeah, I got to sit there and think about that. I feel like LSU is Rachel Lee Cook. Is that is that an acceptable analogy? Jason, if I knew who Rachel Lee Cook was, I could tell you. <laughs> Come on. These are classic 90s movie references. I mean, forget I, it. Was Wayne's World in the 90s? Because I watched that movie. It was, yeah, what about, 91. What about Ace, Ace let's, let's move on. Let's move on, Mark. Wait, who was Rachel Lee Cook? Right. You have to move Rachel Lee Cook is. I, I believe the, the movie was She's All That. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it. All right. Uh, that's all I have to overreact to this week. Let's, let's, let's preview some games. All right. It's going to be a whole day of team sports and beer. Get the old heart rate up. Maybe pound a cheeseburger in the sun. Throw some butter on it. You're going to love it. All right. So week four uh, only has a few top 25 against top 25 matchups. But uh, what I'm going to consider the headliner here is number 22, Texas A&M at number one, Alabama. This is a 3.30 p.m. game on CBS. Alabama currently is a 27-point favorite. What, what what are you doing here? Are you picking Alabama to cover the spread? I'm picking Alabama to win and to cover. Uh-huh. Um, Th- this is an obscene number of points, and oh, Texas obscene. A&M gave a lot of trouble to Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they... I mean, they had a chance to beat Clemson, really. Sure. Um, only lost by two points, but I think fumbled through that. Yeah, so, so I'm thinking, all right, let's let, let's let's just sit back and say, okay, let's say Texas A&M offense does a great job. Mm-hmm. Let's say they score 28 points. Mm-hmm. So then the question comes to me: Well, if the, if the spread's 27, does Alabama score 55 points or more? The answer is yes. Really? Yeah. I think so. I, mean, I am I, worried I about they're going to shut him down because if Tua stays in there for mm-hmm. a whole game, right? If Texas A&M keeps scoring and say wants to keep him in there, I, I, we're going to score fifty points, I think. But at some point, they have to pull ahead by twenty. Let's just say twenty points before that last touchdown. 
You think they pull ahead by 20 points and they keep him in? I think so. All right. I don't know. Uh, based on what I saw from Kellen Mond in that Clemson game, I am a little bit worried. I'm going to take Texas A&M with the points. But Alabama wins, I think, maybe by like three touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> just to show that I have some faith in them, just not 27 points worth. That's just a lot of points. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna to be back here next week. I'll be wrong. I've been wrong about pretty much everything. Yeah, I'm going to go same score I had, or one point <laughs> one point better mm-hmm. than the score I had against Ole Miss, 52-17. All right. So then, of course, we have to talk about Arizona State at number 10, Washington. Washington, 17-point favorite here. This is a 10.30 p.m. game on ESPN. Is this is this a Herm Edwards redemption spot? Uh, no, he loses again. <laughs> no, he loses. Yeah. He loses. <laughs> I don't, I don't you, think Washington covers, though. You don't think they cover? All right. No. So th- there's some small redemption for Herm Edwards. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. I don't think that they have what it takes. I wish. I don't know. Uh, next, let's talk number seven, Stanford. Two-point favorites over... The Oregon Ducks, who are currently ranked at number 24. I feel like I haven't seen them poke in the rankings in recent memory. This is an 8 p.m. game on ABC. I think Stanford covers. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say maybe this game turns out 28-24. Yeah, I think Stanford wins uh, 31-27. 31-27. All right. Then we have Wisconsin falling in the rankings all the way to number 18 not quite sitting at the negative five-yard rushing table yet, um, but... Uh, it's doubtful Wisconsin ends up at that table. <laughs> it's doubtful. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so that, But they are only a field goal favorite over Iowa. Granted, they are playing at Iowa. 3.30 game on Fox. I think Wisconsin covers us. I, I think that they're more than three points better than Iowa. Iowa can't be entirely discounted, but I think this game is maybe 34-14. Yeah, I, playing at Iowa, is it's a tough place to play. Um, you know, we've seen teams go there and get, get it handed to them. Yeah, Ohio State uh, last Penn year. State struggled there. So it's a tough place to play, but I think Wisconsin's going to be ready to bounce back from BYU, uh, and I think they'll win pretty handily. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 38-21 Badgers. All right, so those are our most notable games of Week 4. I don't really have anything else on as far as Week 4 games are concerned. Do you? Nothing. All right, let's wrap this business up. Uh, we will be back again next week to tell you all of the places we went completely wrong here and also to brag about everywhere we went right. In fact, actually, oh, let's yeah. just do that. Why even admit our faults? Um, that's not what we're about here. There's, no, there's nothing helpful about that. No, not at all. All right. Again, you can find us on iTunes. Uh, we're also on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you find podcasts. We are there, whether you like it or not. Uh, please rate and review us. It really does help with our rankings. All right. Until next week, Mark, I will catch you later. All right. See you later. I think our outro music should be the Baby Shark song.
I don't have the license for it, Mark. 